You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Uh, today, you're just with me, Tom. Uh, Susan is out sick, um, kind of like you know her vacation that she had where she was gone for, I say, two weeks. Of course, she says it was not quite that long, but you know, whatever. She's not here for a podcast. She's missing it. Uh, she got a bad sinus infection and can't really talk without coughing. So um, we'll be without Susan today. But today I have a special guest in studio with me today, a longtime friend of mine um, named Dennison Dawson. Welcome, Dennison. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Um, God, Dennison, how long have we known each other? At least 19 years. I mean, I've known yeah. Yeah, since 2002. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we became closer friends towards right. the end of your career in the middle of mine, but right. we've known each other. Yeah. Yeah, when you when you went to traffic, that's mm-hmm. we bonded. Yeah, yeah, we really became tight knit brothers. Even though you're a lot older than me, <laughs> I'm your older brother. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess give a little background, tell everybody about you, what you're doing, where mm-hmm. you come from, that yeah. type of stuff. Well, I'm a native of Arizona. Grew up in South Phoenix, um, which is rare. Yeah, natives, natives. Yep, definitely. A lot of people are transplants, but. <laughs> So South Phoenix was the area that I grew up, and in that time frame, it was mostly African-American. So we grew up in 7th Avenue, Baseline area. Yeah, it's a rough Um, neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. So grew up in dysfunction. You know, mom was a crack cocaine user, so was my father. Um, They're both recovered. They had me at 16 years old. Thank God for that. Yeah, so uh, all my siblings have different fathers. Mom was never around. We were raised by our dads. So just grew up in a tough environment, inner city, um, poverty, abuse. My father was physically, mentally, emotionally abusive. Grew up with a lot of anger management issues mm. um, from the abuse and also not having mom around. You really need two parents. Right. You know, so. You not, need the yin with the yang. Man, definitely. <laughs> and I later learned in life that that caused me a lot of issues in relationships because oh, not yeah. having mom around. You know? Sure. So just growing up, I didn't have a lot of guidance because even though my dad was raising me, he wasn't a father to me. And I forgive him. As I'm sharing this story, I forgive my mother and my father. I want to get right. that out there. I'm a believer. I don't hold any ill will to them. Now, growing up, I had a lot of resentment. Sure. And I even at times didn't want to be here because of the abuse. Right. But now as an adult, I forgive them. I love them. I'm, I'm working on yeah, whatever. You, yeah. You've reconciled with yes. them. and mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. So, but I didn't have a lot of guidance growing up. So I turned a lot of my anger into sports. So around the high school time frame, I got really good in football, um, took my aggression out on the field. Um, <laughs> good place. <laughs> yeah, it is. I didn't get it. I, it's unbelievable looking back. I didn't get in trouble, you know, because I didn't dream of being a law enforcement officer. Right. I wanted to play professional football, you know, once I understood football and learned how to play. And so it's just amazing to grow up in that environment and to not have been in trouble with the law or yeah. done anything that would prevent me from being in law enforcement, you know, despite even having the anger management issues. It's almost like God was there the whole time, you yeah. know. And even though I wasn't really hearing him or following him, it's like I look back in my life and I was protected. Right. You know, so um, got involved with sports, became good in high school. Uh, mom finally came back in my life. We moved to California. Um, my great grandmother had a stroke and they were going to take care of her out there. My grandfather, which is my mom's father um, in, in home care. So my mom moved out there. 
not quite sure where my father let me go because she was never around. But I was, yeah. even though she wasn't there, you know, as a kid, you always want, I want mom, I want right. to be there, you know? Yeah. So I went out there with her and uh, ended up getting in football and doing great. And my first exposure to California, first time seeing the ocean, coming from Arizona, <laughs> I'd never saw the ocean, the beaches. You never went anywhere no. when you lived here. No, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, inner city. I was a concrete, concrete jungle kid, you know, growing up in concrete. Yeah. My dad didn't fish, hike, camp, none of that. So I, I didn't see the Grand Canyon. I've seen, you know, any of that I, stuff. You know, and there's so, a lot to see here it in is, this state. It is. It is. Um, so, yeah, California was definitely, Southern California was amazing to me as a 14-year-old, you know, seeing all that and then doing well in sports. And I ended up getting a scholarship, you know, yeah. uh, getting looked at in that area. Um, so I got a scholarship to the University of Nevada, Reno, played football up there under Chris Alt and had a great time, uh, five years up there. Uh, first time seeing snow was in Reno because we never went to Prescott or Flagstaff. So I was like, man, this is, this is amazing. Look yeah. at this. This is snow. Like <laughs> this is a different yeah, country. It is so different when you feel that snow for the first time, yeah. you know, and I was an adult then seeing snow right. for the first time. So I did good up there, played ball, got my degree. I took it seriously because I knew I, at that point, I, not everybody makes it to the NFL, right. but I definitely wanted to leave there with, with some paperwork in my hand. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to set yourself up. Yeah. Right. So I majored in English, minor in sociology, walked away with my degree. And it was just a it's just a great experience. Playing for Chris Alt was tough, so it made me mentally prepared for what was going to go on in the world. Right? Because he he did, he didn't mess around back then. You know, <laughs> football's a lot different now. You know, they yeah. cater to the athletes a little bit more, but he was a little general. Yeah. So, but actually, that mindset, looking back at it, helped me for my career in law enforcement and everything else I was going to face as adversity as a man in the world. You know, gave you good structure. Yeah, definitely. So I come back home and really not knowing what I want to do, my um. My first job was UPS because my stepfather worked at UPS, got me in the hub uh, in Phoenix, was unloading packages from mm. trailers, you know, and then from there promoted to the sort aisle, um, sorting them by zip code, and then I went to part-time supervision. So I was climbing the corporate ladder, but I thought, you know what, this it just didn't feel right. right. You know, it just didn't feel right with me. So I went from there to um, Motorola. They were hiring at the time, worked at in a, a, a clean room, running uh, vertical furnaces. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So I'm around all these professional people who like, this is their career, this yeah. is their life. And I'm this young kid right out of college. And I'm like, I could care less about these wafers. I don't know. <laughs> you know like, they're worth, millions, nothing they're worth millions of dollars. Like they don't want to break them or yeah. anything. You know? So I'm like, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I felt like that, it just, again, it was a great job, great paying company, all that. But it just didn't feel like it wasn't meeting my purpose, right? Right. So from there, I went to Bank of America, um, credit card fraud, uh, retention, recovering money from the bank and worked there with my brother. And then that's where policing kind of came involved because I met a friend there and she wanted to be a Phoenix police officer. And at the time I was part-time training at a gym locally. That's no, that's now closed down, but I trained her, got her in a shape. And then she got on with Phoenix and she was like, you should, you should try this. I'm like, ah, I mean, again, I didn't hate officers <laughs> growing up, but never dreamed of wearing the badge. You right. know, I'm like, didn't think about it. So she got me an application. It was 2002, no internet, you know, filled out the application. Right. It was a paper, paper application. And submitted it and went to testing and back then it was man we mcclintock high and tempe high yeah it was like 400 people you know with split split uh testings right so i got through the physical because being in shape you know mile yeah. and a half push-ups sit-ups that was nothing um then took the written and being from college i didn't have struggle with the written so i'm right. starting to pass this stuff so now i'm like okay i need to figure this out because i didn't yeah. even think about you know um, so at that time I had found God, I was recently become a believer and, um, I just said a prayer. I'm like, is this what you want? I mean, I don't, cause I, I don't know. I didn't even have a direction in my life right. at this time. Like I was making progress, but it wasn't my direction, you yeah. know? So I felt I heard, yes, move forward. And sure enough, 
19 years later, it's been a calling, yeah. you know, to see how I've been able to help people. And my, it is a calling. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I say it's a ministry. Whenever right. I tell people what I do, I, it's a ministry. Yeah. You know, God has really worked with me, through me to, uh, to con connect with people. I can't tell you how many times I've cried with people, prayed with them, hugged them. You know, I'm not the officer who like stands off with, you know, his hands, you know, to himself and doesn't let you touch him. And he's behind the uniform, you right. know, stand back. Like there's a time and a place for safety, but there's yeah. also a time and a place to be vulnerable, uh, intimate, you right. know, connect with people. Yeah. And that's the part I love. And people are just thirsty for that out there. When you treat them like that, I can't tell you, Tom, the response. Oh, yeah. when, when you treat anybody like an adult and with respect, yeah. you're more likely to get that back. It's phenomenal. Sure. It's yeah. phenomenal. So I've made a, a huge difference in my career just, and even, you know, I've had opportunities to go talk to, you know, at college athletes at ASU, you know, playing division one football and then going to university and being able to speak to the entire team, right. share not only just my testimony, but also educate them on things that we see student athletes get in trouble with, you right. know? And I can't tell you, these, these talks would be set up for like 30 minutes and they would go for three hours. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I loved it the whole time because the students were engaged because right. they saw somebody who looked like them, an African-American in yeah. policing, you know, a set in those seats as a student athlete, you know, I know the stresses of that. Yeah. And then, and, and we're in a uniform, you know? So it was just, it was one of those experiences that was beneficial for all involved. <laughs> like they, they got something from it. I got right. something from it. You know, and it's kind of amazing <clears throat> what you can get from doing those type of talks. Yeah, it's so rewarding. Yeah, it is so it rewarding because you feel like your life for me, you feel like your life means something. Right. And it's it's such an almost unexplainable feeling when you know why you're here. Yeah. When you finally get it like, man, this is why I'm here. <laughs> and it feels so good. You walk out of there charged. Yeah, I it's bet. such a euphoric yeah. high and feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree. I know every, anytime I like was teaching and stuff. You know, and you're passing knowledge along to other people. I mean, it's just, it, it's very rewarding mm -hmm. to be part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what are you doing now? I'm currently recruiting. I'm signed under the Professional Standards Bureau, so I'm a recruiting officer. So this position came up first time ever in the city of Tempe, as you know. Right. I mean, you've been with us. Uh, we've never had a recruiter, um, which kind of, we're behind the eight ball with that. We should yeah. have always had a recruiter right. or some type of department. But it's been nice that this position came out and uh, actually another um, commander, when it came out with the posting, said, hey, you should put in for this. And I'm like, oh, I don't, again, I'm not, <laughs> not that, you know, I'm happy. I was a patrol officer at this point, loving the street because I right. love what I do. I love people. So I love patrol, like, and I'm winding towards the end of my career. Right. You know, November, I could retire. I'll be 20 years in November. And so I was like, really not really thinking about doing anything else. A little bit of background. I've done motors with you, right. uh, juvenile detective, school resource yeah. officer, hostage negotiator, field training officer. Um, now recruiting officer. So the yeah. only thing I didn't do is promote, but I've had a lot of experience, a lot of different assignments. Yeah, you're well-rounded. Well-rounded, exactly, exactly. And so when this came out and the, the commander drew it to my attention, I thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? It would it would be good. I love people. I love right. talking to people. And I thought, what better way to leave the department than the, to bring in some good quality candidates exactly. to fill the ranks, yep. you know? I mean, you kind of leave a legacy behind, you know? Yep. And Tempe's been good to me. I mean, I, I'm sure there's people that may have some bad stories or whatever, oh, yeah. but- Everybody a, has their bad story. I've had a great career. Right. I've done, I went to Switzerland on a reality show yeah. with the department. Oh yeah, I forgot about yes, that. Yes, I mean, right. I've seen some amazing things. So <laughs> like, I want to give back to an organization that has given me so much, right. you know? So the position opened up, I tested for it, got it. Been doing that since January and it's been a blast, man. I'm, I, what I've done, um, what I've done in the position to make it unique is I remember being recruited for football. They bring you into the stadium. They put your name on the scoreboard. You know, they show you the jerseys. They they, they take you to all the locker yeah. rooms and all the rooms. They make you feel like you're, this is the place that you should be. Exactly. This is your home, right? Yeah. 
So I said, you know what? Why don't I bring that to recruiting? You know, I don't know an agency in the Valley that would bring you in, show you equipment, host you, like almost like a recruiting trip. Right. So I started doing that. Like people who were ap applicants or applied or laterals or wanting to come right. over. I'm like, hey, come on down. Let's meet. I want to get you in front of command staff. We'll meet and greet. I'll show you our range. We got an indoor range. You know, right. introduce you to our firearms instructor, take you to the hiring unit, introduce you to the hiring sergeant, put them in front of all the right people right, right. away. Yeah, you're setting them up. Yeah. And the response has been amazing. People are like, man, the way you're treating me, like even through email, I, I just, uh, I feel like I want to give that person great customer service, even if it's through an email. Right. And the, the feedback's been amazing. They're like, what you're doing right now, it, it makes them want to be a part. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to separate our department from the rest is right. making people feel at home like a family. You yeah. Know? You can't just do the, the way it used to be done because it's not working. <laughs> no. I mean, every department is shorthanded now. And trying to find those good quality people, you're, you're going to have to cater to them. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to show them, this is who we are, and this is why we want you. Mm -hmm. you and know? every time I walk them out of that door and they leave the double doors in the, in the bubble area that you know about yeah. up front, they just, they don't even want to go. They're like, man, thank you for this. This means yeah. so much to me. Because they've met people. They've met the commanders. They've seen people joking right. in the hallways. You know, they've seen the energy. They're like, man, this is like, it is like a family. Right. You weren't just telling me that over email, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So I love it. I mean, I'm, uh, I work on a great unit, you know, meeting different people. You know, we have our policy and procedure guy in that area, um, our training unit, you know. So there's a lot of things that you don't see as a patrol officer yeah. that you get to kind of see behind the scenes. Right. So that's been really cool and interesting. Yeah. And you get to learn a whole different side of the department. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. See, like I just stayed in traffic. I didn't want to learn anything else. <laughs> I know, I know, but you had your niche. I mean, you still had fun. Yeah. Oh, I had a blast. There's, yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's things you haven't seen because you stayed in one area, right? Yeah. And you don't get to see kind of the full gamut. Although you may know some of it because yeah. you may know someone in the work. But once you sit in that seat, and you know, just like riding a motor, yeah. once you sit in that seat and experience it, you're like, man, there's a whole other side. Right. But like, you know, I felt, I truly felt that doing the accident reconstruction that was my calling. Mm -hmm. That's where I needed to be. That's where I could help people and make a difference yeah. in their lives. Yeah, and so, you did, man. I remember that. Yeah, I remember like I couldn't do the math. Remember, I was like, <laughs> that math was not my strong point. I remember being out on a couple of fields. I'd be like, "D, come over here and look at this." You're like, "I have no need to no, see that." I didn't want to see it. I don't know. Good for you, man. Yeah, good, I, yeah, good yeah. for you. I mean, you see it when you have to, but right. if you don't have to see it, I wasn't the one that wanted to walk over there yeah. and see it. You know, there was yeah. no need for it. Right. I didn't need that image, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's true. And a lot of people don't need those images. Mm -hmm. That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about um, doing the exchange thing. Talk okay. a little bit about that real quick. Yeah. So the department had a unique opportunity. There was a Swiss uh, production company called Constantine Productions uh, reached out to the department. Um, I think it was LAPD, us, Denver. And I think there was one other agency that it reached out to. So if you don't know but about Switzerland, they're really, it's a cold climate, snow, you know, right. a lot of stuff like that. So they were looking to do this, uh, the program is called Job Swap, <laughs> or Job Tosh in Swiss German, and they wanted to swap uh, police officers because they had never done a law enforcement issue. I guess they swapped jobs from different countries. Right. So they chose those three those departments, and Tempe won out because of the climate, pretty much. Right. They, they love the desert landscaping. Well, and then what an extreme difference. Extreme yeah. difference, yeah. Cactuses. Yeah. Like I remember they they were like taking photos with cactuses. It was amazing. When they came <laughs> yeah. down, they, lo they loved it. It was phenomenal. I know. So what happened was six of us were selected um, through the chain of command of who they thought would represent the department. Uh, from the six, we had an on-camera interview. You had to see if you're a person out because it's a reality show. Right. Um, you had to pass that personality test. 
Yeah. And then they followed you in the field doing your More job. More, they, they wanted to see if you were a character or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you went, you're high in that Hands category. Down. Hands down. Uh, <laughs> that's just part of my personality. Yeah, that's right. I'm not even trying it, you know, just me being me. But uh, yeah, so I was selected and another officer was. And I remember when they made the on-camera announcement. And I know it's a reality show, but it wasn't like any, it wasn't a response that I had planned. But I remember when they made the on-camera announcement where I was selected and the other officer and I just broke down. I just started crying. I, I, I could not believe I was going to another country. Yeah. Here, here I am, a little kid from South Phoenix. <laughs> I know. Huh? Dysfunctional background. Never seen anything in his own state, yeah. let alone. And I'm going to Switzerland for a reality show? Yeah, what an opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, Well, I remember when you were gone and, and those Swiss police officers were over here. You know, We catered to them doing a lot of different stuff. One of our uh, – he's a sergeant at the time – we did a, a big dinner over at his place because he's got a mini ranch. Mm -hmm. And I remember a couple of us went out rattlesnake hunting, you know, and wow. they were like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, we let them try all the wild game that we have here in, yeah. in Arizona. And it was, it was neat. They, they're like, we never experienced stuff like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I went, so I went over, they bought us passports, went over there and had a great experience. Uh, the people were so hospitable. The biggest thing I could talk about to Switzerland that I've noticed is the the hosp hospitality like yeah. everywhere you went you were so greeted and welcomed and like you'll go places here and people won't even speak to you you know which <laughs> right. is it's sad it's unfortunate yeah. but everybody was so hospitable and they were so glad to see you you know yeah. and then the the, the cleanliness yeah of the different town i mean it was just like you didn't see trash anywhere huh. I, I described it as someone, it was like being in the, it's a small world at Disneyland, like literally being in it, but a bigger version, Yeah, you know, um, no buildings look the same, you know, just everything was a picture or a postcard. You yeah. could literally take a picture of a place and it's a postcard. Wow. It was great. You know, so they taught us uh, their culture a little bit. You know, we had raclette, I think it is where they do the, the melted cheese oh. underneath. Yeah. So we had some Swiss, you know, the cheese and yeah. I was like, this is really cool. It's just some chocolates. Yeah. They had, oh, they sell tons of chocolate. <laughs> we didn't pay for any of it. They gave us a big old bag of chocolate. Uh, but you good. know, once that show aired, it was phenomenal because I'm on Facebook and um, I didn't even think that it was going to happen, but it was their highest rated episode. Huh, wow. And apparently this show is like American Idol for them. Over right. There. It's just real big. Real overseas, big. Yes. Yeah. And my Facebook just took off, like all these friends requests and people trying to reach out. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you did and came over here. So I still to this day have friends that wow. I've never even met or Swiss German, you know, just that have reached out through that show. Wow, that's and it's great. just, yes, it just was a really great connection. You wow. know, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, what a, it was a great opportunity for, for you guys and for the Swiss officers mm -hmm. that got to come over, mm -hmm. you know, what a, what a, a unique culture shock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wow. Huh. So um, I'd like to talk about one thing that um, I'm, I'm sure you figured we'd talk about it, but not very many officers write books. Mm, yeah. And so I know that you've written a book and mm -hmm. going through that process, yeah. um, even though it's not out for publication yet, mm -hmm. you're, you're getting close to that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. So it all started with people hearing my story and I shared a little bit of already here and that's just you know, bullet points, but I've been through such uh, a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of trauma and right. a lot of things. And to be where I'm at right now, people are like, man, you should write something. And I heard that numerous times. And over the course of several years of hearing that you finally start to pay attention. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here, you know? So I didn't, I'm not a writer, you know, I, I did major in English, but I'm not a writer. So I'm like, I didn't even know how to get started. <laughs> so I heard about a writing website. I don't even know if they're still out there, but knliterary.com jumped on that website, put in my email, they give you a free template. My template was like a motivational 
um, template. So I started writing the book to that. And what I found, Tom, is once I started writing, the book just flowed. Mm. Like I didn't even need to, it did help me shut, set up my structure, my introduction right. and stuff like that. Yeah. But the book just flowed and it got to the point where I was just, just flowing with it. And, you know, so from there, um, the church I go to, um, I shared my story with some other person and I was writing a book. They're like, you need to meet so-and-so. They've <laughs> written books and they're on Amazon right now. And so I met them, they're a family there at the church and they're like, yeah, we'll take a look at your work. And so they, they didn't even charge me or anything, but they took a look at the work. They took, I had 175,000 word count, which they said was about a 500 page book. And they had to whittle it down to 200 pages because it's a motivational read. And most right. people don't want to be in a, a read that long for 500 right. pages. So they, they basically edited it down to book format to get it to where it needed to be and then get it, got it back to me. So I was in my final stages. I just finished that up to look at their editing and I've done my final part. And now I need to get it to a professional editor because they weren't professional. Right. They were just doing that to help me. Yeah. And it's ironic how God provided a professional editor um, during my recruitment. I did a, a TikTok video with an African-American officer. We were celebrating Black History Month and just, you know, um, limelighting like this is the officer in the community, what he's right. doing. And so we interacted with him, wanted to show him out with the business. And we went to GoDaddy first and they didn't want us, they wanted us to wear the mask still. And we, but we wanted to see um, the face of the officer. Right. So we didn't do that. Went to State Farm. State Farm was welcoming, but they said, we really have a policy that we allow no filming. Maybe you could try next door. So next door was Wrangler News, which is a local uh, Tempe paper. Right. So went in there and he's like, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll shoot the TikTok. Yeah, definitely. So um, we got in there, did, this, did the shoot. Um, great experience. Everybody, you know, got along great. Get back to the station and I get a call from the head editor. And he was like, you were just in here. We missed you. You know, I would like to do something. We support the Tempe Police Department. I want to do a recruiting um, uh, segment for you guys. No charge. Great. Yes, everything. So <laughs> he ended up giving us a four-page spread which was $500 a page. He gave $2,000 wow. of work to the, to the, to the city um, just because he supports our department, you know, but for, and we need people in our community like that. Yes, to step it was, up like that. it was amazing. That's yes, huge. Yeah. It was huge. And so through this, we became friends because he not only interviewed me, but we had to do a photo shoot for the segment. And so we just spent a lot of time together and we became friends. And I was just thinking, it just clicked all of a sudden. I'm like, I'm looking for a professional editor. He's sitting right here. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> this is what he does. Yes. I mean, he he graduated from a U of A journalism, spent, I forget, 30 plus years with uh, the Republic, you know, just a great uh, resume. And he's sitting right next to me. Yeah. And he knows part of my story because he interviewed me. Right. So I'm like, would you be willing to edit my book? I mean, I'm like, I don't know what your fee is. I'm like, he's like, I definitely would be willing to be part of the project. I'm like, so literally everything's kind of come together yeah. through this journey. Where it's almost like God wanted this book to be written to help somebody, you right. know, because it started with people telling me, you need to write this down. Yeah. Then, it, then I got the project together. Then I found people who were willing to help me to put it together. Right. And there's no coincidence. That's not a coincidence. No, uh, not at all. No. No. So the book is called Front Seat of the Car. And basically the, the, the story of it is I'm walking people from how I got from the backseat to the front, meaning I could have been in the backseat of yeah. a patrol car based on my experiences, my dysfunction, my, my neighborhood, you know, friends I hung right. around, anything, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm in the front seat. And it's not just about law enforcement, but it's about being in the front seat of your life. You know, whether it's finances or a relationship, sure. you need to always be in the driver's seat. You should yeah. never be in the back seat. So I'm sharing my, my downfalls. I'm being open and intimate. I'm sharing my bad decision-making, you know, whether it be relationships, whatever, that uh, could have hindered my front seat right. path, you know, and I want people to learn from my mistakes and also my, my, um, my overcoming my challenges, you know? So that, that's pretty much what the book's about. It's just a, intimate journey you know right you get that's, to see yeah. that's great i can't wait to read it yeah that's for sure so it's it's, it's moving forward my 
my first book I've ever written. So I'm like, I don't really have a timeline <laughs> or when it should be out. And that's what my editor asked me, my professional editor. He was like, do you have a timeline? I said, I really don't have a timeline because I have a graphic design person working on the cover. So my vision for the cover is you're looking through a police windshield. And as you look through the windshield, it's clear. But as you look on the outside, it's cloudy, like, like almost like a, a dream. Mm. But you can tell it's a police car you're looking at. So as you look directly in, I'm in the front seat as an adult and a little boy is in the back seat with the title front seat of the car above, yeah. above. So the cover alone gives you this imagery of like, what's this about? Like right. you're looking in there at this police officer and you got a little boy. What did, yeah. what did the little boy do? <laughs> right. Yeah. Why is he, Why in, is he in the back seat? Yeah. And it's literally, he's, he's changed his life. Yeah. You know, he's no longer in the back. He's backseat. transformed from that. He's transformed. Being in the back seat to the front seat. Yeah. 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 Wow. So my goal is to just keep the project moving forward, which it is, you know, every time I just try to keep it moving forward. Now it's in the final editing and graphic design is working on the cover because it won't be, it'll be a rendition, you know? So I got a person who's drawing it right now. Right. So as long as it just keeps moving forward, I don't know when the release date will be or when it will be coming out, but it's, it's definitely exciting. The materials there. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't wait to, to read that. And I mean, I know your story and which is good, but I, I definitely want to read the book yeah. just to, yeah. What a, and my, even my wife's like, what an accomplishment. You wrote a book. You know, like, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> not many people can say they've written a book, you know, yeah. but it, wow. it's, it's given me a newfound perspective for writers though. Like, cause I'm like, these guys come out with bestsellers yeah. in no time. Right. You know, and it's taken me like five years to write one book. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, that's kind of crazy. That is. That. It's amazing when you think about writers. Yeah. Now granted it's their full-time job. Right. You know, but still. To write a book, you know, you got, I had, we had kids along the way, right? you know, life, life changes, you know, I had to find times <laughs> to touch the material. Yeah. You were, you definitely had a lot of stuff going on in your personal life mm -hmm. that, and then the professional life is always draining on you. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah. The interesting, up a lot of your time. The interesting thing, cause part of what the book is, I want to motivational speak, counsel, mentor, develop. That's my passion, especially the youth. I have a really heart for the kids cause Kids are going through tough things, yeah. even still, you know, and I'm thinking like, I went through that stuff. You feel like times would change and things would evolve. But I know in my time as a resource officer and even now being on the street as a patrol every now and then when I work overtime, the kids are still hurting. And it's like this, nothing's changed over all these years, you know? Yeah. So uh, my, I think things have gotten worse for them. Yeah, actually. I, you figure with all the social media and stuff, because they never put that phone down, you yeah. know, it's always bombarding them. Yeah. And that's what, that's a good point. To that point, I want to wake them up. Yeah. I want to wake kids up and how you wake them up is by showing them how much you care and that you love them right. and how genuine you are and that you've been through some of those things. That's, that's connectivity. Right. Now you may not be able to save them all, but I want to, uh, that's really my passion. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I want to do with the book, you know, is help others who are going, there's, everyone's hurting. Yeah. Somebody's going through something right now, you know? Exactly. And everybody needs help. And, and what I feel like is we are all in this together and it takes a community to come together. Right. Um, I, I come up with this saying, like, you remember the gap man? I feel like we're a gap standers. And what I mean by that is when you're hurting, I need to stand in a gap for you. Right. You know, I need to pick you up on my shoulder. Yeah. I got you until you can get back on your two, on your own two feet. Yep. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. Yeah. And so I want to be that gap stander. And that's part of my purpose here is being in the gap for somebody. Right. Know? But it's like nowadays we don't have the people stepping up and making that connection. Um, you know, with the cell phone stuff and all that social media stuff, it's, it's too easy just to get on there and, and not really have a real connection. You know, it's when, when you're talking to somebody face to face, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's when you can have, you know, a good conversation and you get to read what that people's reactions yeah. are to you, you yeah. know, read that, body that language. phone, 
you know, it could be an innocent text, but you take it wrong. And now yeah. you're depressed over, you know, something, Yeah. you know, when I grew up, we didn't have those phones, mm. you know, it's, yeah. if you wanted to talk to somebody, you found them out and went and had a conversation. Yeah. And that's affected the communication Yeah. on how they talk. You know, right. we're seeing that even in interviews, you know, in testing, because yeah. I'm now part of the testing process as a recruiter, you know, yeah, we I don't bet. do oral boards with our, I don't know if you know that, but we don't do oral boards anymore. Oh, really? Department. Yeah. They got, they're streamlining the process. But you still see applicants come in and just not able to communicate. Right. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. I was going to ask you something. Now I can't remember what it, what it was. Um, how about, um, you know, since how has it changed for the recruiting with, with our department uh, since they made marijuana legal? Um, I think it's expanded a little bit of the pool because... A lot of people have done it, you know, right. medical marijuana and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, two years prior to applying is all you need of, of clean, you know, no yeah. marijuana. And it doesn't even matter how many times you smoked it. So right. that's pretty interesting. And that's, yeah, an, it is. that's an Arizona Pulse uh, change. Right. Because you know? so, it wasn't like that when you and I started. No, no. you yeah. would have never got on. You right. Know? Yeah. And I, I don't know. I Honestly, moving forward, they might have to change more things just right. the way society is. I don't, I don't know where all this is heading. You know, I don't, I don't know where all this is heading, but society's doing a lot more. Right. So where are we going to find these, these applicants, these people to defend us and stand on the front lines? Yeah. You know, I, I know, know it's such a, it, it's so hard for people, th these departments to find good people to do the job. I mean, it's. And everybody's going through it. It's not just Tempe. Oh, oh no. It's yeah. every city across the country. Yep. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, you could pick and choose whoever you wanted because you had thousands of people coming to test you yeah know? yeah i took a training class when i first came over to recruiting um, a sergeant sent me to it was called the military model of recruiting and basically what the instructor was saying is you know pds need to change this open up apps close down app open up apps close down app open up mm -hmm. you know if you look at the military and he gave the statistics i don't remember them off the top of my head but a lot of these uh branches uh, very few people are re-enlisting you know right. they're in the low low 30s yeah. like really low and so they took a look at that as why are, why are they not coming back or signing on? And so what the military does is they ongoingly recruit. They always need to fill the ranks. They have a constant recruiting right. system. If you come give us five years, you go on to move into a career, you've given us five years, you know. So police agencies need to adopt that, he was saying. Hmm. And it kind of makes sense. If a guy comes in, he gives you five years, good five years, great employee, does great work for your city, then he goes on to be a businessman or whatever right. else. You had great five years with the employee. Now you have an advocate for policing because he was he or she exactly. was exactly he understands the job. Yes. He understands the struggles, not only as an officer, but he knows the community struggles yeah. too. Yeah. So you're not you're not looking at that twenty five year because the retirement's twenty five right. in Arizona now. You're not looking at that twenty five year guy anymore. Uh, you're looking at a guy that maybe can come in and give you ten good years, right? And then he moves on to something else. Wow. Well, that's why we need to always ongoing and re recruiting, and that's why this position is so important. Um, and I'm glad the department has, has gotten it, right. but we need to keep it. Whether it's me or whoever, we need to have a recruiter. Right. We need to be actively recruiting, not only for new officers, but because retention, right. you know, people retiring, people leaving, you know, so you have this constant flow of, you know, coming and going, you have to have somebody out there actively, you know, bringing right. them in the door. Yeah. So That's for sure. yeah, it's, it's just like a, a combination of things when you talk about it and you look at it and it's just a, such a change in mindset from retirement. You talk about pensions and, and people aren't even interested in the pension like they were, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, no. Uh -uh. The Yeah, the pension system, that's crazy now. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about you as a when you're a school resource officer. And 
how that impacted you dealing with the students every day. And I, I know that you really enjoyed that position. Um, but I mean, you know, with all the mass school shootings that we've had over the years, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes the resource officer isn't the best, you know, looked at, you know, mm -hmm. somebody has some kind of complaint about them, you know, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm just curious, how, how was that position for you? Well, I didn't experience that in my, in my tenure. Um, I was very supported. Um, my campus was 80% minority. Right. So um, they were from my same neighborhood, uh, <laughs> South Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, they were busting them in. Yeah, weren't they? open yeah. enrollment. So yeah. it was it was kind of an amazing uh, dynamic connection because I was from those neighborhoods. I went through the same things those kids were going through. Right. And so I was able to relate to them. And part of it is me allowing them to see me. Right. Even though I wore a uniform on campus, you know, I had a golf cart that I was assigned to and I would drive around and joke with the kids and have fun. And I would, I would uh, play some bets to see who can jump the highest and because our basketball team had a couple jumpers and I'd buy pizza for the kids. Yeah. Like I made it fun. Right. I wasn't there to just enforce law or, you know, you teach. had to show them that there's a human behind yes, that badge. Yes. Yes. So yeah. I did a lot of counseling, not with them, just them, but the parents involved because right. the parents needed guidance sometimes too. Yeah. So they needed help. So I was a counselor, mentor, developer more than I was an enforcer. And at, <clears> at that time, active shooters were going on, but not, it wasn't like the, the, like, I know, I get what you're saying, how they, they perceive uh, SROs on campus now, right. but it wasn't that energy then. You right. Know? Yeah, no, it was a different time. It was a different sure. time, man. I was loved on that campus. Yeah. I, I remember felt... coming and seeing you on campus, and there was always somebody in your office, if, if that's where I was hooking up with you for lunch or something. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, when we walked around the school, everybody was, you know, talking to you. Mm -hmm. And what that was a symbol of is the love I gave them. And yeah. that's so true what Jesus says is, the love, you'll be known by your love. Right. You know, and I showed love to everybody. Yeah. And I got that love back. Yeah. It wasn't nothing. Yeah. I mean, I just poured into them. And everywhere I went, like you said, because <laughs> you weren't the only, like people would say, man, you're a celebrity here. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just loved the, the faculty, the, the the administration, yeah. the kids. Like we had a, we had a blast. Yeah. I felt like I was going to high school. Like, you know, <laughs> 21 Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I graduated from high school in California and yeah. I felt like I was a Buffalo, you know? Yeah. But that was just the culture that I wanted to create. You know, I wanted them to know that I was there for them, you know, yeah. and I'll hold you accountable because that's what kids ultimately want. Right. Even my, 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 my little kids, my right. six and my almost two year old, you hold them accountable. They still, they look to you like dad, 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 dad. Right. They love you. That kids want to be held accountable. Yeah. They don't want to be let loose and run amok. They love, that's a form of love. Exactly. Discipline is yeah. a form of love. Right. And that's what people don't understand. Right. You're showing them and guiding them. And sometimes discipline mm -hmm. takes place. Yeah. But but without that, you're, you're doing a disservice to your kid. Yeah. 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 So it was just a, it was a great experience. And it was one of those things like, um, it's, it, it, you feel like there's windows in your life. Like meaning what I mean by windows is like, sometimes you open up a window and you walk through it. And you see the view and it's, it's it's amazing. But then you close the window and the next time it might be rainy and it's not as good looking. You right. know? And I feel like there's things in your life that are like windows of opportunity. And when I, I had that experience at Tempe High, it was so amazing. And it was such a great experience. But it was one of those things that I don't think I would ever, you know, go back to or right. do it again. Yeah. You know, not that I, I don't I don't I would never want to serve in that way, but it's just like there's certain things in your life that you've you've done. And even like motors, I don't, I wouldn't ride a motor right. again. We had a great time. Yeah, we did. We had a great time, but you remember those experiences, but there's just things that you wouldn't go back to, yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. So I cherish those moments and and I love them. We had a great time and, you know, but just things change, you know, a little bit and yeah. even in you, you know, right. Yeah. What, what you want to do. Well, you so. evolve through all your experiences, you know, mm -hmm. for, from behind the badge yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I re speaking of motors, I remember 
uh, in motor school when you were in motor school and Dan and I had set up a big curve negotiation um, drill and prior to you becoming a motor, you rode a crotch rocket. So you're used to lean in <laughs> yeah. and going fast and pushing it. And I remember you were riding one of those old KZ 1000 trainers and I'm following behind you. And, <laughs> and I was like, Holy crap, man, if he goes any faster, I'm not going to stay up with him. <laughs> we're scraping boards, you know, and the tailpipe. And, and yeah, the that's yeah. right. That was, that was so much fun doing yeah, that. That stuff. really helped me my confidence, you yeah. know, cause it's such a different bike, the cross right. rocket versus that. Yeah. But it gave me the confidence to handle that bike, you yeah. know, that was so much because I, I remember our class and people weren't confident with the lean right you know because it's such a bigger bike yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had a blast in motors that's for sure Gosh. yeah we did i remember we went down <laughs> we went down the steps <laughs> and we didn't realize we caused damage to the oh, side yeah <laughs> yeah so we have a a uh, baseball stadium in tempe that uh -huh. we used to do a lot of training <laughs> over at and in front of the stadium there's a large set of stairs that I got, I don't even know how many, but yeah. it's, it's quite a staircase mm -hmm. and we'd take everybody up to the top and then ride down the stairs. And that it was, did teach you, it, it's a good way to teach you how to balance or right. hold the motor have over control, calf control. Right, yeah. So it was a great, we weren't just messing around. Right. It, was, it was a great training experience. We just didn't know we were causing damage. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That center stand was bouncing as we were going down and actually hitting the edges of the sidewalk yeah. or, the, or the steps. <laughs> Yeah, that was not good. We're like, okay, we're done. Yeah, here. we're done. Yeah, we're done with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good motors, time. motors was one of those. Besides, it's funny we want to say, what's the best assignment you ever had? I right. always get asked that. I mean, Timby High was the best in in different ways because of the kids and the experience, and right. that actually set me towards where I'm at now. My desire to help others, yeah, uh, mentor, develop, counsel. I didn't know that until I went to Timby High. I knew I had a story, but I didn't know the direction of the story. You right. Know? So it, that's what that gave me. But motors also gave me this camaraderie, um, this unification, this brotherhood, this fun, this part of belonging to a family. Right. Um, there were so many experiences. I see in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, never, we were a tight knit yes, group. Yeah. yeah. We were doing long rides and doing, I've went to places I have never seen in my own state. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm getting paid to do this. I know. You know, so it was such a, motors was the best experience for me in that way. You know, yeah. we just, and you guys were like, like, again, I would probably not, I could never ride a motor, not because I don't even want to ride a motor again, but just, the, I just, that could never be duplicated. <laughs> right. I feel like that was the glory days. <laughs> yeah, you know, when exactly. you're, when you're a freshman in high school and all the seniors graduate, yeah. the high school is not the same because right. you had friends who was, you know, it's a different energy. Yeah. That's, you guys are the seniors, you know, the seniors left and, you know, <laughs> it, that was a great time. I don't think you could ever duplicate that yeah. with the people who were in there, the characters. Yeah. You yeah know? We had some characters. Yeah. Dan. Our buddy Dan, man, he was quite a character. Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he touched my life, man. He helped me out. Uh, uh, and this is in the book. I'm not. Uh, I'm very intimate about what I've gone through, but I went through a very bad relationship. Almost married a girl who I found out later she was an alcoholic. Was engaged to her. Actually met her at Tempe High. She was a teacher, and um, just just devastated, man. She right. actually ended up assaulting me off duty, which kind of got back to the to the campus and district, and. Um, I was pulled from the campus from her behavior because I wasn't a Tempe, um, a unified uh, school district, school district yeah. employee. Yeah. So I was punished even though I was a victim, you know, right. and it was just a tough, tough time. man. I remember being depressed, crying. Um, and Dan was there for me. Yeah. I mean, he saved my life literally, you know, I don't know where I would have gone. You know, I was drinking, right. Um, making poor decisions. And he saw that and he said, D you need to stop. You know? Yeah. I remember one night he even made me stay at his house and, <laughs> 
You know, he was stern. He yelled yeah. at me like a father. It, it woke it woke me up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It woke me up. But that's what you needed at the time. Yes. You needed someone to D- call you discipline. out. Discipline. Go back right. to what I said. Exactly. Discipline. Yes. That's love. Right. He exactly. dis- he disciplined me. Yeah. And that was his that was that's love. That's a form of love. Yeah. He cared so much about me that he saw, you know, even though I was going through a tough time, right. he saw my my decisions where they could have led me. Yeah. And he said no. Right. You know? I, and I remember, you know, once we started becoming friends and I started to know who you were and stuff. I mean, I, I remember seeing you really struggle in your personal life yeah. for a while. For a while. But, man, God sure turned that around. Yeah, he did. My wife <laughs> you got a home. great, beautiful wife, beautiful two wife. kids, man. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys out there listening for me, and I don't know how many believers listen or not. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell you right now, I was born again in 02. I didn't follow the way for a long time. You know, if you look at salvation, was I saved? Yeah, I accepted Jesus Christ in my life, but I wasn't living it. Right. And I wasn't surrendered to him, and I was moving girls in you know, having sex with them, you know, um, paying for stuff, put them on my credit, buying cars, yeah. bought fake boobs for one, like just dumb stuff, chasing yep. love, right? chasing yeah. love. Exactly. That's and what that's part doing. of why I had to look at myself because why am I choosing to be with these types of women? Right. And I had to look inward and a lot of it was I had issues too because I didn't have a motherly love and guidance. So right. I'm chasing all this energy in the wrong way. So I had to take responsibility. It wasn't just them. It was me. And that's part sure. of what I'm sharing in my book. This is part of getting to the front seat. You have to look in the mirror. Right. I, I was just as much as a part of the problem because yeah. I'm choosing to be with these women. I right. can't blame them. Right. I They're not. There's two sides to this equation. Yeah. So yeah. I remember after the last one, um, the one I was telling you about, the DUIs and alcohol and stuff, um, I just cried, man, at my counter. And I said, God, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I've been, yeah. you, you witnessed a few, but I'm like, right. I'm done. I can't do it anymore like this. I, I'm waving my white flag. I surrender. Yeah. I'm going to start doing it your way. I'm not having sex. You know, I'm, 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 I'm doing it right. And I kid you not, no sooner I said that prayer, <laughs> like a week later, uh, Miranda's my wife, her friend was like, you need to meet my friend because yeah. we went to church together. Uh, not me and uh, her, her, her friend. friend yeah. yeah. And so I was skeptical because I just come out of pain. You know, the last thing you want to do is meet somebody. Right. This Man, is, if this is so recent and yeah, raw and new, do right. I really want to jump into this? Right. Yeah. So they set up like a friend date. They didn't tell her that they were trying to set us up. And uh, we went to uh, Z Tejas for happy hour. Mm-hmm. And had a good time. And uh, what I liked about her, she, you could tell she loved God. Uh, she was professional. She had her own business, which was right. great. Because most of the women I dated, I took care of financially. Yeah. So that was huge that she had her own business. Um, from there, we just kind of hit it off as friends. Went to another friend experience. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Chipotle. used to have a concert um, up at the golf course off of Frank Lloyd Wright and the 101. Um, they would have an annual concert event. This was all pre-COVID. Right. And they would uh, cook food, their food, and have all these bands. Yeah. So we went to that, had a great time. So we started hitting off as friends and asked her out and started dating. Within five months, I proposed to her. <laughs> five months. And people were like, whoa, five months? Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> well, you got to remember, I'm 39 at this time. Yeah. And she's gone through her fair share of men not willing to commit. Yeah. One well, thing I love about my wife is she was going to marriage count, count conferences and uh, marriage classes before even being married. She was actively see- seeking on how to be a good wife. Right. Uh, and, and it showed. It Trying showed. to figure out what is what is my part in a relationship. Because that's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. It showed. And and dating her five months, I'm like, man, this is the best thing going. And yeah. I knew right away. Because it's one of those things when you've been through hell, you know what heaven's like. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you've been through those bad ones. Right. And I knew I had a good one. And I'm like, what am I waiting for? You know, I, right. I, I this is it right here. Yeah. Why am I going to let this get no, away? Yeah. No, no. So I asked her father, you know, God, God bless his soul. He's passed away since then. He passed away last August. But I asked her father if uh, I can marry him, marry her. And she, he said yes. And he he knew, like, I was going to ask that, too. And he's like, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me when I took him out. 
but he 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 can see he saw my character because right. he was a believer he was a minister right you know he saw my heart and he he saw even though he only knew me at five months at that time yeah he saw my heart and before he passed away we spent a good six years together you know and he was like a true father to yeah. me you know he gave me a lot and showed me a lot spiritually and everything yeah but yeah i have a great great marriage seven years coming up two kids yeah two beautiful boys yeah. All because I got out of my own way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you step back yeah. and let someone else take the wheel, right? Yeah. So those yeah. listening out there, get out of your own way. Yeah. Sometimes you're your own your own worst problem. Right. You know, like Michael Jackson says, I'm starting with the man <coughs> in the mirror. I'm there asking him to make a change. Right. Because no message could have been any clearer. You know, yeah. if you want to make a difference and make the world a better place, exactly. take a look at yourself. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's like, right. It yeah. is true. It is. It's so true. And we don't want to do that. Everything's this, this, this. Yep. When you point a finger, my great-grandmother said there's three pointing back <laughs> That's at right. you. You know, I got to fix me. If I fix me, then everything, you know what I mean? Right. Things and it, fall into place. Yeah. It's and it's crazy. not going to be a perfect world because right. this is not heaven. Right. You know, it was, it was meant to be at one point, but this is not heaven. Yeah. So we're going to have shortcomings. People are going to pass away. Right. Some people are going to say mean things, whatever. Well, if we help just focus on us, yeah, it still would be a better place, you know? Oh, yeah. It would be a lot better place. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't come on here to preach. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you just yeah. can't help it, yeah. you know? I've been through a lot. Like, my pain is is why I, sh I talk like this, you yeah. know? And even now, like, even though I'm over it, there's still, like, times where you can feel like things will yeah. happen. Like, I've had a boss mistreat me, you know? Right. And, and I, I brought up all old abuse. It's sure. weird how it connects to that old, old right. pain and abuse. Well, as Susan like, what, what explains is... it, you have one psychological garbage can mm -hmm. that all your crap goes into, you know, and as, especially as police officers, everything that we see and deal with on the street, all we do is cram it in there and push it down, mm. you know, try to stomp it down and yeah. you be like a trash compactor, you know, mm -hmm. well, sometimes you run across things that start to bring up some of that, that trash that's been down buried for a long time, yeah. you know, and you got to deal with it. Yeah. And that's what I love about God, because... He makes that easy. Right. You know, when you pray and you say, you know, he'll expose things that you didn't even know were there. Yeah. So if you're, and I always tell me and Miranda talk about this, like how do people do our job and don't have faith or don't believe in God or right. something? This job is tough. It is. You know, I come home stressed out and, and been through stuff and I have God and I pray and I rely right. on the Holy Spirit and all that. And I have a great relationship and family home. And so I can't imagine not having God yeah. because he has helped me. He'll, he'll expose oh, yeah. stuff. He'll point stuff out in you. Now, whether you want to deal with it or not, <laughs> he'll show you. Right. Especially if you pray and you're like, God, show me what I need to change. Right. What I need to do better. And then it's you following that direction. Yes. Yeah. You better be ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Careful what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, boy. I, I agree. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, it's been, uh, man, 19 years. I, that's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. been that long already. Isn't that something? I know. And you're a brother to me more than a friend. Like, that's what I love about God, too. He's giving me people like you. Right. Because I didn't have, you know, blood family, you know, coming up. Just right. I, you know, I have a brother. I'm not saying it. Right. But I'm saying the connection of what I have through yeah. you and different. I've, I've had way more conversations and connections and bond, <laughs> you know, through people who aren't flesh and blood. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's so nice. Even when we go through times that, that where there's a longer period where we don't talk. You know, as soon as I hear your voice, man, it's, yeah. it's oh, it's D, you yeah, know. Exactly. And it's my brother. And we just, you know, there's like that gap just. Wasn't there. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. you know what I like? People probably can't see us, but I'm African-American and you're white. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. we have this bond and this brotherhood. Right. When society says we shouldn't get along like exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't listen to society anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> society might screw you up yeah. pretty bad. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what else to, to really dive into. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you, you, you've had a great, fantastic career. And yeah. I, I know you've touched people in the community, um, in a big way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw it firsthand, especially when you were at the school. Um, that was, that was amazing. And I always liked seeing how happy you were walking around those kids yeah. and giving them a hard time and them giving you a hard time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was good banter. Yeah. You know, it was, it was great. You had a good relationship with those kids. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the time that we had motors, God, that was so much fun. Um, yeah. I, I could just think, I just heard Dan Kells go, what up D? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he was D too. Yeah, we, right. What up D? What up D? What up D? <laughs> I actually named Luke uh, after him. Yeah, yeah, my my, my second son, Luke Daniel. So yeah. Daniel's his middle name. He touched my life so much. Yeah, he he was a big part of my life too. Yeah. I mean, he was he was my mentor in traffic, and I mean, we became such close friends. And his two boys grew up with my oldest son, motorcycle riding, and you know, yeah, we yeah, I sure miss him. It was to cool to day. see him grow spiritually too. You know, yeah, it was yeah. especially towards the end. He yeah. really he he went through a big transformation. He did. So yeah, yeah. that was. I, I was happy, and and even though it was hard losing him, at least I I know that he, you know, was a believer and he he was where he was going. Yeah, you know that yeah. was that was a huge relief for me. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Huh. Well, I guess we'll wrap up today. Um, okay. But yeah, I want to thank you a lot for for coming, being on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you've got a hell of a story. And it's funny to say thank you to that because <laughs> it's painful, but it's overcoming. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's great that, I yeah. mean, your book is just going to touch that many more people, you yeah, know, which yeah. is, that's, that's a blessing in itself. Mm -hmm. So the key uh, there before I, I just would like to say to the audience, um, the key is to, and when you're relating to the book, the key is just to be open. It doesn't have to be a book for everybody, right. but be open to other people, be uh, willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't realize other people are going through things too. This, right. And they might be going through the same thing. Exactly. So we have to break down these barriers and these facades and get comfortable with one another so we can really help one another. Right. You know? I mean, there's a time, especially when you're in uniform, that you need to be that badass right. and, and be given stern directions and officer safety has to yeah. be paramount. Yeah. But there's also times where you can be a human too. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm gonna tell people. you, in my experience, I'm probably sure as well as yours, and I've been on 19, so I can attest to it with the tenure. What you just described, it's very few and far between where you have to be that guy. Exactly. Very few. Yeah. It's way more where you have to be the counselor. Right. And mentor. if you're just willing to step back and look at things, mm -hmm. the impact that you can make on somebody's life is it's just huge. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, with my job in the reconstruction stuff and doing the fatal team, you know, I told hundreds of people that their kids or their parents or their brother or sister you know, weren't coming home anymore, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and have had all kinds of reactions, but I'm also still in contact with quite a few of those people, mm -hmm. you know, we're friends on Facebook, a couple of people that we text every once in a while, you know, I mean, it's just because I made an impact in their life, but they also made an impact in mine too. Yeah. You know? To that point, I'll share a quick story because this is also in the book, but, um, suicide, yeah. um, I went to and the mother and two others came to, because he was in a rental property with other people, to come find him because they hadn't heard from him in a week. The roommates knock on the door. He's in there deceased. So we get called out as patrol. Um, I'm talking with the family while detectives are doing their thing. And I spent, like I would say, several hours with them. And I'm just, I just felt overwhelming love for the family. And I also heard the Holy Spirit just ministering right. through me, telling me to say things and do things. But we spent such a long time together. Before you know it, they're laughing. They're hanging, we're hanging, no, seriously, like they're right. laughing and I'm laughing. 
And the mother says, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, I was like, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, they just lost a family member. Right. And they want to take a photo. Right. And so I'm but like, because yeah. you're impacting in such a way. So yeah. they all stood up. We all got together. We took a photo and we just had a great time. I hugged them all. Yeah. And they thanked me for just the love that I showed them. I leave there and go up to the house where the other officer was with the roommates. And he's like, what's going on over there? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> they said, we saw you taking a picture with the family. I said, I know. I, and I just explained to them the yeah. encounter that we had and the connection. And even though they experienced loss, yeah. they felt such love and happiness in right. a moment of death and loss because someone showed them love. Right. And, and I found that same experience multiple times. I mean, it was just, you just got to be, willing to open up your heart to these people, yeah. you know, and, and what you get back from that is, is, is huge. Yeah. yeah. It gives you faith in people again too. You yeah. Know? Cause yeah. you can definitely get cynical doing this job. Mm -hmm. And I thank God I haven't, that hasn't happened to me. I think what's kept me grounded is obviously my background. Right. I don't come from the traditional law enforcement background, yeah. raised in a good family, gone to school. I did go to school through athletics, but most of the guys I work with, you know, that same mother and father in the home, right. You know, so that's always kept me grounded. You know, I never got cynical because I came from that. Yeah. I just happened to be wearing a uniform and made it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So not not many people can say they've come from those environments right. and wear the uniform. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a rare, rare thing. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, again, thanks for coming on yeah. and thank you guys being for being who me. you are. You know, I mean, that's to me, that's huge. You know, you're such a good friend and a and just a brother to me. You mm -hmm. know that it's unbelievable yeah um and i'm i'm blessed to have known you over over these years too mm -hmm. you know you've you've brought so much to me and now your family continues bringing the love and yeah that connection will just never go away yeah you know? mm -hmm. so and i know we 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 um there's an audience out there who are hurting and i would just like to say that you know if you haven't uh, taken the time and or have thought about it just reach out to god he loves you you know i didn't grow up in the church um i had issues and it took me coming to a broken point to realize that I needed a savior and I needed somebody there. So if you ever think about that, just, you know, pray to God, you know, Jesus, show me what I need to do, you know, come into my heart, show me, show me the way, forgive me of my sins, right. You know, accept him as your Lord and savior and watch what he does for you. He's, he'll literally change your life. Uh, he can heal your, your, uh, your depression, your sickness, your disease, your anything. Um, he can, he can do that because your father loves you and your brothers and sisters love you. So I just recommend saying that, um and watch your life change yeah i, I totally yeah. agree and yeah. and you know for anybody out there that is struggling um it's okay it's normal don't think that you're going crazy mentally ill or anything like that because there's a lot of officers out there that this stuff just everything you're exposed to just comes back mm -hmm. to haunt you you know you can always reach out to us at under the shield um our toll-free number is 855 889-2348 um, and we're here for you we can help you uh, in a lot of different ways so uh, anything that you know if you're struggling just reach out and I know it's it's kind of that's that's a big step for some people to do mm -hmm. um, but just remember um, that reaching out there's going to be somebody there that's going to be there to to listen talk give you some education about things yeah um if you want to reach susan um specifically um i know i can give out her cell phone number but it's 334-324-3570 
And if you want to reach out to me, um, my cell phone number, you can always reach me, is 480-861-6574. Again, we hear you. We want to help you if you need that. Um, Thanks for listening and check back with us next week. Thank you.